Welcome to Heads Up Hockey. It is all things hockey talk and all things centric around the game. And it's also New Jersey Devils talk as well. And please enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Heads Up Hockey. This is your host, Jersey Joe, and our wonderful co-host, Jake Wakely. Hello, everybody. It's been a long time since I've been joining this podcast, but I'm glad to be back. Well, it's great to have everyone back. And uh, So, Jake, you did a Raising Hell in Jersey podcast today. You have some ideas. I have some ideas. Uh, we're going to try and keep this simple for the listeners today to get reacclimated, kind of like the first couple weeks of this season. So, without further ado, jump in. Yeah, so, I mean, today on the podcast, we, um, Alex, Jim, and I, we discussed some things like, you know, Will Butcher's absence in the lineup, um, how long. Like, where's Butcher's patience level with all this? How long before he finally just says, you know what, uh, trade me somewhere where I'm going to play? Uh, Ty Smith's emergence this season. You know, um, the game that happened, that phenomenal fourth line that you could either call the M&M guys or the BMW line. I like the BMW line myself. I like that. Um, German made. Yeah. I like um, – there's a lot to like today and during the game. Uh, Sammy Vatnin's uh, been added to the COVID protocol list, so he's in New Jersey. He should be expected back not this week, but uh, I believe Erica Walker said that he should be back around February 9th, so that's something to look forward to. Uh, Nico Heischer has been riding the bike, so he shouldn't be that far off. He should be back here soon in the middle of the month, so – but I think the big thing we were discussing was the Devils, if they can stay 500 or above 500 till Blackwood gets back, then that's great for them. But before we, so, before we get into some Devils things, I'd rather get this out of the way first. Um, I want to talk. It's, it's very – it's somewhat disturbing, but it's just like it's somebody being an absolute idiot as a teammate and a bad teammate and a cancer. And I, I really, before we uh, get into everything else, Joe, I, I really want to talk about this Tony D'Angelo situation. Yes. The, sadly, he's from Sewell, New Jersey, which is southwestern New Jersey, outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It's very rural out there, but, like, Tony D'Angelo has had this bad history of, really negative remarks about things and people from his OHL days. And to me, that says a lot about like, you know how I'm always into amateur scouting and all that stuff. Yes. This, this is a big red flag. Like this is why you have to have your Dr. Amy Kimballs just to put it crystal clear. This is why we do not touch these players and drafting. Um, if I was ever in part of a draft board, that's one of the key reasons I wouldn't jump on a player at all because I know who they are and it just spills the beans. But to your point though, 
this guy really is a bad apple. And there's a reason I won't write about him is because it's like mentioning a certain person from history. And I don't want to say that name. It's just, uh, it's too toxic, but we got to talk about it. We're, we're not just a devil's podcast we're a hawk podcast. So we got to talk about, we have to talk about it. So, but like, I know for a fact, cause I believe no, D'Angelo wasn't in Sarnia yet. He was there with, um, I don't think he was there with Zaka or Jacob. So, but he was in Sarnia before. I think they, with Josh Jacobs, I don't know, but I could be wrong. Um, I'm actually looking that up. Uh, Tony D'Angelo is an absolute cancer in the dressing room or anywhere he goes. There's a reason Tampa Bay let him go. There's a reason the Rangers are trying to let him go. Um, you know, the same can be said about Taylor Hall, but that's a discussion for a different day. Um, the thing I don't like is part, I feel like part of the reason the Rangers are letting him go has to do with his view on politics, but I also think, like, you can't get away with stuff under the bright lights in New York. Everybody knows that. I know that being a Yankees fan in baseball. See, there's some people can play there, some people can't. Some people can handle the media, some people can't. The pressure, not the pressure. Uh, and when the going gets tough, you got to be able to put up or shut up. But the thing is, is the Rangers have struggled to start the season. I mean, would anybody have predicted them to struggle this much to start the season? No, probably not. Um, they have a lethal power play. Uh I hate to admit it, but they are one of the better upcoming teams in the NHL here moving forward. They have a great future ahead of them. They seem to have their goaltending solved. Their defense looks like it's going to come along. They have, obviously, it all depends on if Lafreniere pans out. We all know how good Zibanejad and Panarin is. Kako, we'll see how he turns out. These guys are still young. But the D'Angelo situation, so they lost in overtime to Pittsburgh the other night. Did Georgia mm. probably have the Crosby goal? Yeah, probably. But D'Angelo was on the ice for four of the five goals, and then they get in an altercation after. Um, I'm assuming Georgiev said something along the lines like, holy crap, man, you got to help me out here. Like, you, you're not doing me much fa- – you didn't do me much favors tonight. Something was probably said mm-hmm. got in each other's faces. Chris Kreider punched Tony D'Angelo in the face. Um if it was me, I would have knocked D'Angelo right out. But that's that's me. That's yeah. me. That's my that's that's how I would have handled it. But you know that's not the way it went. Um, if anybody noticed, uh, it was up on Twitter earlier in social media. Uh, most player, all players in the NHL, their team's Twitter page posts a picture of them with their puck first NHL goal. Uh, if you noticed. And it's come out a bit more tonight. Uh, the Rangers never posted a picture of Keandre Miller with his first NHL goal. And word has it now that Tony D'Angelo took the puck out of the net and he kept it and never gave it to Keandre Miller. Okay, so that... Wow. I don't know where to discuss it because like it, it's a hard topic to bring up, but... It, it's it, dicey, it, too. But... 
I, I can't. It just shows you the inner character. I can't help but wonder if it's a racism thing with him, with him. Like, towards Keandre Miller. I can't help but wonder. Because, you know, as we all know, Keandre Miller went through that bull, bull crap online with a bunch of teammates being racist to him. And then all of a sudden, D'Angelo doesn't want to give him the puck in probably arguably one of the biggest moments of your career. Like, nobody ever thinks they're going to play in the NHL. You score your first NHL goal, that's a big accomplishment. That means you um, you know you, you've scored in the hardest league in the world, but the guy won't give you the puck so you can get your – so you can have your first NHL goal that you maybe wanted to give to your parents and stuff for helping them get to the point where you are in your career. And to me, I hate to say it on the podcast, but that's an absolute dick move. Like, you know, it it, it is a D-bag move. There's snooping to low levels in life for situations, and then there's really snooping low. And this is just, I guess it's just pathetic. Like, I I don't know what to say. Like, if somebody picks him up off of waivers, then their GM should be fired or on the spot. Fired. Like, to me, his career is over. I can't see anybody wanting him. Like, he had his ch- And the sad part is, is he wasn't a bad defenseman for the Rangers. I, I, the skill is there he- for him. But he just is he's a head case and that's you can't have that. And they were warned when they took him that you're gonna run into problems with him. And that's like I I know when I watched him play, I know he has like a big amount of swagger, but the way he also plays away from it when he's not doing good, he gets frustrated and he does a lot of crazy stuff, and he's the type of guy that just, you know, will never back down off of social media. You know, he eventually – I know politically he got off, you know, Twitter for a while after – during and after the election in the U.S., and then eventually someone snooped him out uh, making a fake Twitter account or whatever, burner account you want to call it, and – You know, guys like him just need to focus on playing hockey. But to me, he's 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 a lost cause that's not worth saving. I mean, to all the parents out there, keep an eye on your kids, especially when they play sports. Teach them how to be good winners, good losers, and you know, learn life lessons and not to be such hotheads. I mean, we all have our bad days, but. Don't be a hard butt all single day of your life. It's just not going to get you anywhere. Almost like Jake. Joe? Yeah. Yeah. You there? Gets that? Did you hear what I said in there? Hold on a sec. So, I think your screen might have shut off. But uh, yeah, I was saying. Anyways, like, respect your elders uh, and your, you know, your teammates and everything like that. Sorry, I was just looking up Tony D'Angelo. Like I forgot he was a 19th overall selection by Tampa Bay, and then he went to Arizona and he was half decent there, and then he ended up with the Rangers and like, I don't know. There's just 
it's a, it's a messy situation and it's a shame and I hate I hate that organization as much as you know you and any other Devils fan and you know somewhat or any other yeah, non-ranger so fan a lot of people think like there's devil, some Devils fans that probably think this whole situation is hilarious but it's whether you got to put your hate for this organization aside in a situation like this and you got to feel for you know Keandre Miller and Alex Georgiev like they shouldn't have to put up with that crap uh I was talking with somebody that said Chris Kreider didn't punch him hard enough he should have knocked him out and you know what maybe he should have we don't know the whole story of what went on behind the scenes we only read about what what happened but I don't know if I'm the NHL or something I I'm tried kind of look into this but I don't know if there's much really they can do because it happened. It could have happened behind closed doors. But I feel bad for Miller and Georgiev, and I hate that organization, but I don't think that's fair, and I don't think they should have been treated that way. Um, and it puts, a, it puts yeah. a bad look on the Rangers. Like, if you're – like, especially Jeff Gordon, because he just signed him to a contract extension not too long ago, and now – there's talk and it's probably going to happen that if he gets, doesn't get picked up on waivers, they're going to buy him out. Yeah. You know, there comes a time where you just got to move on from a guy and I wouldn't be surprised if the NHL ever bans him from the league, if there ever was such a thing and they got to do something. I mean, they did something like that for, uh, what, what was that guy from the LA Kings that, um, he hit his wife. He was a defenseman oh, Slav- from Slav- Russia. Voynov. Yes, Slav- Vyacheslav Voynov. That's the guy. So if the NHL can say no to Vyacheslav Kozlov, they can definitely do that to um, Tony D'Angelo. I would love to see that kind of authority. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what's going to happen there. It's a... It's a messy situation, but, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, one thing I want to talk about is um, there's a lot of players requesting trades, it seems, nowadays. Um, Sam Bennett has requested a trade out of Calgary. Um, if you remember, Taylor Hall was just at Vatnum were just about traded to Calgary for Hannafin and Bennett. Um, do the Devils circle back on that? Maybe. I don't know. I doubt it. But, you know, you never know. Um, Victor Mete has yet to play in a game, and his agent has requested a trade. So, Mark Bergevin says, first time hearing of this, I'm not trading Victor Mete. Hmm. Let me read between the lines hmm. for a minute. Hold a second. Do I know this line from somewhere about P.K. Subban not being yeah, traded same, same right away? Max Pacioretty. I'm not trading Max Pacioretty. I'm not trading P.K. Subban. Two weeks later, both of them were traded. You know, I have been a big fan of Victor Mete, the way he's just a really good puck mover, smart, good passer. You know, get a good kid like that. I mean, he he helps create the the offense. 
He's not there to be the offense. He's there to create it. But anyways, if the Devils can string up a butcher and some other uh, defenseman that would go to or whatever package would be sensible for both the Canadians and the Devils would allow butcher to play in, you know, Montreal. And then Montreal would send us Mete to New Jersey and we could have some sort of balance. Exactly. And he's a young defenseman. So, and I'm pretty sure he'd be better than uh, a certain defenseman on the ice. that has been playing a lot. And then Matt Tennyson. <laughs> I, I was just listening to the raising hell in Jersey podcast. The first like half hour or first, like, 45 minutes, and I was like, yeah, I know you and Jim all have the get the Matt Tennyson out of town type card. I'm just not sure how to see that card play out in the deck. Yeah, I don't know what's going to – I think he's just filling in until Vatnin gets back, but who knows? We'll see. It's – it's almost like, you know, a Devils recent coaches have always been playing certain players in, with favorites. And speaking of favorites, you know, former, you know, G, I mean, our current GM, uh, Tom Fitzgerald's old company and the Pittsburgh Penguins are starting to come up soon. And we see them on, I think, the 1st of February. Yeah, we play, uh, if I remember correctly, um, the Devils play Tuesday, Tuesday the second in against Pittsburgh, and then they play in Pittsburgh, and then they play in Pittsburgh on Thursday the fourth, and then they're at home Saturday the sixth for an afternoon game at one o'clock against the New York Rangers. So, so far the Devils have had a good start to the road trip they've got three of four points in the first two games i mean that's pretty much all you can ask for right now uh oh sorry it's february 2nd i, I meant to say that the penguins play the rangers at the rangers on the first of february i got that messed up with so sorry to the listeners about that I, so so I pittsburgh that. plays tomorrow so they'll be playing on a back-to-back yeah okay so that, that could work in our favor then yeah, they well the Penguins beat the Rangers on the thirtieth, so and they play on the first, so there is a back to back. Um, I want I want to talk first about um, Jim Rutherford resigned. Let's talk about that. First. Yeah, so everything I gathered, Joe, for for the Jim Rutherford thing is it wasn't personal reasons. Uh, from what I gather is Jim Rutherford had a trade in the works to trade Chris Letang. Uh, Ownership Mm -hmm. shot it down and wanted to keep Chris Letang a penguin for the rest of his career. And Jim Rutherford said, you know what? Maybe it's in my best interest just to walk away. So he stepped down. Uh, As you know, there was rumors of Fitzgerald. Uh, going to Pittsburgh to be the GM. Uh, it was reported last night by Elliot Freeman on Hockey Night in Canada on Saturday headlines that the Devils will not be giving Pittsburgh permission to speak to Fitzgerald 
He will be staying in New Jersey, and the Devils see him as a big part of their future. So there you have it on that one. Fitzgerald isn't going anywhere. I can confirm that. So in, basically, I I was thinking about when you mentioned the trade part for Latang. You know, the Penguins are getting awfully old, and they I'm looking at their pipeline. They really don't have a whole lot of guys that could really fill like potential like holes if you know some guys get injured or anyone else not named Samuel Poulin or Pontus Aubrey. Yeah, they don't. They have nothing, and. You know what? While Pittsburgh's best interest would probably be to, you know, ship guys like Latang and Malkin and start this rebuild now, I can understand why they're in a win-now mode because whenever you have Crosby and Malkin and Latang on your team, you have a shot to win it any year. But they're getting older, and they're not the same team they were. I don't even think they're a playoff team this year, to be honest. I think if they get in, they're going to be right on the right on the bubble. But you know, Crosby gets hot, like, Malkin gets hot, and then Pittsburgh goes on the tear. But their team runs two to those guys, and Crosby's the only one producing right now. But their best bet would be to retool and tear it down. I would trade everybody off that. You you know you you mentioned trading off a lot of the guys that you have, like you are you doing like I want to say a complete fire sale, but are you willing to trade um, Brian Dumoulin? Hold on a second, there, Jake. Yeah, I think you were looking on another screen, oh, which kind of shut off your mic. Anchor's doing this through the internet, so I'm not through the app right now. So every time my screen locks, uh, you can't hear me. So I apologize for that. So um, back to what I was trying to say was, um, but you you mentioned trading all yes. the guys. So you're saying trade Brian Dumoulin as well? Yes. Everybody is available for a certain price except for Sidney Crosby. And the reason I say that is you don't get rid of Sidney Crosby as he's the face of your team. I know if he gets traded, anybody can get traded. But Crosby will still sell out that building no matter what. And he will bring in fans and he'll keep the revenue up and whatnot. That way it doesn't turn into somewhat mostly a dumpster fire. But I guess it's hard to say. Like, Crosby's in a different class than Caves and Tane, Kane and Taves. So, Chicago should look to trade Seabrook, Keith, Taves, and Kane. But their contracts are so hard to move, it's hard for them to move them. Uh, you know, I'm sure somebody would take them, but. Crosby would be a little easier to move because I'm pretty sure every single team in the NHL would line up to acquire Sidney Crosby, but um, their their best they, their best they would at least move Latang and Malkin if they want to get something like it's just it, it's time to rebuild there. And you know what? I hope Pittsburgh takes as long as they want to do that because the longer they go and then they end up being bad, the better it is for the Devils. 
Uh, Joe, are you okay to take over for a couple minutes? I just got to step out here for a minute. All right. So, like, I will tell the fans this, the listeners. Um, I actually, in my fantasy draft, I didn't draft any Penguins this year. Not even Crosby was available. I mean, it's not because I don't like the Penguins. I respect the Penguins and everything, but um, the Penguins as a team, as a whole, to me, they don't have enough uh, high-quality guys outside Malkin and Crosby and Coppinen to really thread the needle for me as a fantasy owner. And also, like, from a writer perspective, long-term, near-term, I can't really see Pittsburgh being a long-term, term contender and with a new GM in their search I think it's going to take a long time to really acquire a lot of the draft picks and then build them up through their pipeline and try and build up a system kind of like how like when Ratio left Pittsburgh and he brought Tom Fitzgerald and uh, Dan McKinnon to help build up the all the Albany and Binghamton slash Devils um, over the years, it's really showed that you know they were able to build up a pipeline and fi- and eventually it filtered into um, the New Jersey Devils. And I can see that being the case for Scranton Wilkes Bear when the new GM eventually goes in. And I heard Elliot Freeman say on his podcast with uh, the 31 Thoughts saying he sees it's likely they're going to lean on Jason Botterill as their favorite, and I can see that. But do I think the Penguins will be back to compete? No. They're going to like to go through at least one or two GMs in their rebuild or retool or whatever they're going to try and do, but they should just absolutely tear it down. And I agree with Jake on this one. Yeah, I think they need to tear it down as well. It's, it's, it's just time. And, it, and, it's, and remember our conversation with um, our boy, uh, the draft analyst, Steve Cornianos, and talking about the fluctuation in the yes. standings in the East. Now, Realistically, who do you see after Pittsburgh begins to bottom out? What, for an aging team? Yeah, like the next team down. Do you think it's the, the Capitals? Uh, I think the Capitals are going to be fine for another four or five years, and then things will start to kind of go down. But... Maybe. What do you? Th- yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Oh, what yeah, about they're, the they're, Bruins? Their time's coming. Because how long do you think it would take for Patrice Bergeron and Marchand eventually age catches up with them? I mean, I'm starting to see it a little bit in Crosby. Yeah, I think so too. And. You know, it's like I've watched the Penguins play at uh, the Prudential Center for many years, you know, and, you know, when I saw Crosby, he was a lot faster. 
right now he is he's more like a glide and you know finesse type skater. Like he's using his wits well, he's always to get around the at. ice. But yeah, his edge work is what's kept him in the league very long, and it's and it's his smarts and his passing abilities. But outside that, like the Penguins don't have like a superstar goaltender, like. I know they. I know they have Jari in that, and they have Casey DeSmith, but DeSmith doesn't really do justice, though. No, like when they had the tandem of Flurry and Murray and Murray and Jari, they were uh, they were well on their way. I still think they made the proper decision getting rid of Murray, but I don't know. Only time will tell, I guess. So, but yeah, that's what's well, amazing, right? Because how old do you feel knowing that 16 and 17 years ago, Sidney Crosby and Alexander Ovechkin came into the NHL? You know what? When I watched Ovechkin, in his younger days, I could tell that he was just a, a shoot-first guy and he wasn't a back check, but he was still electric. And he was just gaining you know, the feel for the North American game. And you know what? He's one hell of a player who who's followed Ilya Kovalchuk's footsteps. Not completely, but, I mean, you know, becoming the NHL sniper, but also eventually later in his career became a two-way forward as a left-wing shot, right-wing shot that Alexander Ovechkin is. He truly is the great yeah, I think maybe besides Gretzky, he'll go down as the greatest goal scorer probably in NHL history. Pure goals. Pure goals. And I, I'm, I'm very happy for him. I know, I have respect for the guy. Like, he, he, he's done a few crazy things here and there off the ice, but he's still a guy you could absolutely love. I mean, even though he doesn't wear a New Jersey Devils sweater, but when he scored that, um, that career point, that career point slash goal. I have all the respect in the world for Yeah, me too. So, I mean, it's – and I've always been a big fan of Ovechkin. So, and I think, obviously, will he break Gretzky's record down the line? I guess we'll see, but I hope he does. I honestly hope he does, so. It'd be one for the ages, and I think if he does, we should have a special podcast for that. But also, you know what we got to do is – we got to commend Lindy Ruff for his 1500th game that he had recently. I know it wasn't a win, but he's coached 1500 plus games and he got his win in Buffalo being the former coach in Buffalo. What can we tell our uh, Buffalo Sabres listeners out there? Um, I think the best way to describe Lindy is – you know, these changed the philosophy and the mentality with the Devils. Uh, it's been a, definitely a culture change. Uh, the Devils probably aren't the most skilled team in the NHL. I think they're far from it. But he has these kids and the veterans even playing on a level where they're just coming in and they're working. They want to work because they don't know if it's going to be their last shift in the NHL or not. They want to earn it. 
they want to prove that they can play on the in the NHL and maybe make the case for making the team next year as well. So I think you're seeing a lot of that. You know, one of the things I was watching, like the first game against Buffalo, I noticed that it was Yanni Kokkonen was playing to his the beginning of his potential, and I really liked the, what I saw in the way he was crashing the net. I mean, getting to the areas that you usually don't get on most goaltenders. And I know it was against Allmark, but he was able to like get it in where Allmark wasn't sealing off the pipe. And I know you know this as a goaltender that that should that goal shouldn't really have been in the net to really tie the game up. Which which one's that? Uh, the Yanni Kwokinen goal from yesterday. Yeah. I, I got a few thoughts on yesterday, but, I mean, I didn't really – I don't think I got – I don't know if I mentioned it in the podcast yesterday or not, but I think Jesper Bratt has that puck roll off his stick yesterday in the breakaway. It could be a different game, but – you know, maybe his move works. It's his signature move. But at the same time, the problem I got here is, okay, Nikita Gusev is 6 for 10 on shootouts, right? Plus, so now he's 6 for 11. Right. Okay, I understand that go-to, go and- all the way wide, pull it back, quickly shoot at 5 holes your move. But you do the same move every single time. Like, you saw it when Parise was in New Jersey. He was leg pump kick fake, back fake backhand forehand, and it worked a lot of the time. But if he didn't use that, he would either shoot low blocker side just over the pad inside the pipe, or he would do that one where he would curl to his backhand and he would try and go up top. And he was very good at it. And I think Gusev needs to switch up his shootout moves, and the same goes for Jesper Bratt. Yeah, you know, that move works if you can pull it off, but you got to get it up in the air when you're doing that if you're not going to deke the goalie out of his jock strap. So, right, like I still remember that game when Bratt did that beautiful pump. He did it I think it might Ottawa, have been. I know that. Yeah, it was Ottawa. And I think it was Craig Mike Anderson and was in that. Or Mike Condon, sorry. I don't remember Condon that often nowadays, but I just remember, like, I was like, whoa, that was amazing. I had to replay that, like, three times. It was that good of a goal. Yeah, that was a year at the devil. That was, sorry, excuse me. That was a year at the devil's uh, probably shouldn't have made the playoffs, (laughs) but they did, but. 17-18 for our listeners. But I, I think you can tell by watching now uh, it's only going to get better. Uh, you see the emergence of Ty Smith. You know, Michael McLeod's finally found his time in the NHL, but he accepts his role. He's not going to play in the top six. He's going to be in the bottom six, and he's probably going to be on the fourth line, which is not a bad thing. Everybody has their roles. Everybody has to contribute in their roles. Everybody has to accept their roles. Was he... Is he the bottom? Did we expect him to just be a bottom six player when we drafted him 12? No, probably not. But, you know, that's the way that's the way it works. And that's the way things unfold sometimes. And 
But the doubles are set up nicely down the middle. But I need to see a lot more from – I think Bulkfist is better at a center position. But I know he's a young kid, but I just don't see the hype everybody sees in him. But, maybe you know, it takes time for some guys to develop. But I thought Maltsev had an excellent shift at the end of the game today. Uh, he frustrated Taylor Hall towards the end. Because Maltsev, I know, is a big boy. And he actually – he can play a power forward game. And, you know, a guy like him, like, he started to come into his own. And he wouldn't have been able to last year under Hines and Nazruddin. But – Given that it's Fitzgerald running the club, like you at least got guys, you know, like Gusev who, who can be on his line and they could have that KHL um, factor and Sharon Govich on the team. So you got guys that can speak Russian together and, you know, guys that understand how to build chemistry together. So really, like, I mean, them being around even longer going into next season is a good thing. So, I'm not sure uh, what to think about that, but I think just looking at um, another player that who was coming out of his own funk and Andreas Janssen, I think he had a pretty good game the other night, and he started to come along into his own. And you know, it sometimes people you can't just like rush ideas on players or um, throwing too many thoughts about getting guys to perform right away. Some guys take a little bit more time to really do their thing. Um, but really, I like the way Johnson is right now. He's got three points in nine games. That's 33% uh, scoring rate right there. So I really like the way he's coming into his own. And I just think – with his face-off wins, he's got 50%, and I like that for a guy who can play in the top nine. But uh, Jake's uh, taking a little bit of a break, I guess. Um, oh, there he is. Yeah, I think Johnson. Uh, I think Johnson's found his chemistry spot with Jack Hughes and Jesper Bratt, so I think that line needs to stay together for now. Maybe until they go cold, but you know, there's a lot, lot to be happy about with the Devils this year, and they're off to a half decent start. So, would it rather it be better than four, three, and two? Yeah, but you know, if you had told me nine games into the season the Devils would be four, three, and two, I would have took it. So, I would, I would say at at the Atlantic City Casinos, I would. I would cash it in. <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there. Um, but Jack Hughes has really been dynamite, you know, this, like, first nine games. And, you know, talking about last year, most people were like, where was the Jack Hughes that we're all looking for in his draft year? I mean, you know, people forget, like, he jumped, like, Going the college route and the NC and the uh, what was it the OHL route. So anyway, so 
Jake, I guess we could go on for maybe a few more yeah, minutes. So, with, with our some of our closing thoughts before we wrap up our uh, our first big episode in a while. So, um, what do you want to tell people going in uh, into uh, games versus Pittsburgh and the Rangers? Uh, my thing is. Stay out of the penalty box. Okay? Like, you're having trouble with the PK here right now. And you might have got away with it for some... Like, it wasn't very good against Buffalo either. And Buffalo had some half-decent players. But if you think Buffalo was giving you a hard time with their with their power play, you ain't seen nothing yet until you run into Pittsburgh. Because we know as well as anybody... Pittsburgh is always dangerous on the power play with the amount of guys that they got. So I'm going to say the Devils need fans need to hope that the team stays out of the penalty box and stays disciplined. Uh, keep cheering on the team. Uh, no matter, I've preached this since the beginning of the season. Uh, anything the Devils do with success this year is a bonus. They're not expected to be very good. Um, just, no matter the result, win or loss, you need to be happy with the progression of these young kids moving forward. Uh, Jack Hughes, Ty Smith, McLeod, Bastion, all those kids. You need to be happy with the progression they've made. They're getting their shot in the NHL now. They're proving they can be NHL players. Uh, and, you know, potentially showcase themselves for trades like McLeod and them, or they're a part of this team moving forward in the future. So, Something to look forward to. Um, Will Butcher. Uh, we talked about this on the Raising Hell in Jersey podcast. I, I think it's just it's going to be a matter of time before he asks for a trade. I don't know how much longer he's going to take sitting in that press box. I know my patience would be running very thin. And from what I understand, he had a good training camp. It's just I think Lindy's style of playing his system – Butcher doesn't suit it with his skating because, let's face it, Will Butcher isn't the greatest skater in the world. He's a good puck mover, and he's good at working the blue line in the power play, but the skating isn't the greatest. But, you know, mate, we'll see what happens there. Vatnin's probably going to be playing once he comes back. And so there's pretty much a lot of moving parts going in and out. And, yeah. Um, what I like to really say to people is, you know how the team has the motto and like enjoy the ride. For me, it's enjoy the progress. And you know, you mentioned it earlier. You know, progression is part of this team. You know, building momentum forward. And you know, this is a year of auditioning. So, really, whether it's guys getting traded or guys staying, and guys getting pro- certain guys getting protected and in the expansion draft, let's not forget the Seattle Kraken or Kraken or however yeah. you call it. Um, I mean, there's going to be a expansion draft very soon. And we're going to be thing we're going to be doing a special podcast later on. And we're going to predict our guys who we want to see protected and we'll have to do a yes or no disagree, disagree, disagree or, or agree type game and we'll have to invite a couple other guys on yeah especially jim um 
and Alex and um, we will talk about that in another episode like that, but um, we will be talking about um, the Pittsburgh series and we will talk more about like other league wide um, news articles that have popped up and maybe other things that just occur on Twitter from people like Elliot Freeman. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I made a note about this on the podcast earlier today. Um, this upcoming off season, uh, if you remember correctly, when the Devils traded Blake Coleman to Tampa Bay, Fitzgerald said if Coleman became a free agent, he would be very aggressive in his pursuit. Well, guess what? Blake Coleman's a free agent at the end of the season. And it's not going to be very far off once we get to that special date. And, you know, I'm going to have to cover that. I'm going to have to cover the NHL draft, which has been pretty odd. But um, I'll definitely look into that, too. Um, So we will talk more about that. And we will definitely have to uh, see where things go this week. And we'll take it uh, game by game. So. Without further ado, I believe this is the Heads of Hockey podcast. It has been a wonderful night from myself, Jersey Joe, and Jake Wakely. All right. See you around next time and enjoy, enjoy and some keep hockey. Keep your head up. Heads up, hockey.